You are now tuned in to the Storm Tracker Podcast. Welcome back to the Storm Tracker Podcast. Marcus Benjamin here with my guy, Frank Tucker, representing the Crib, South Florida. We represent KanesCounty.com, part of the Rivals.com network. Make sure you subscribe to the website for free. Use the promo code MIME30. Also subscribe to this YouTube channel live from Canes County, as well as this podcast, the Storm Tracker podcast on all platforms. Frank, big news coming out last night with five-star Justin Scott committing, not only just committing, but flipping from Ohio State to Miami. Huge news. I think it caught everybody by surprise, including us. So when you first heard the news, what were your first thoughts? My first thoughts were this was not the flip that we were expecting. There's been a number <laughs> of candidates, right, that have been in discussion for a potential flip to the University of Miami. Even another couple of guys that are committed to Ohio State right now. And it was just shocking to hear that it was Justin Scott. We, you know, everything we've heard about Miami throughout this cycle has been that they've struggled in solidifying uh, interior defensive linemen. And Scott was one of those guys when he committed back in July. And I felt like it was a little surprising that he did commit to Ohio State back in July. We were hearing a lot of Miami and Notre Dame, and then Ohio State surged real late. Um, but overall, we we kind of knew that Miami was always in good standing before he committed to Ohio State. It sounded like that was the spot that he eventually wanted to go to, that there were just some family decisions that had to be made in regards to uh, you know, them feeling comfortable with him going uh, to South Florida. And Miami, over the last week or so, uh, from what I've been told, kind of made that not as much of an issue. Uh, and, and Scott really decided that Miami was a place where he wanted to be. Ohio State never really seemed like that spot, despite him staying committed for four-plus months. Uh, so, you know, overall, I, I was a little shocked. But I, I guess you can't really be too shocked based on the rumors that we were hearing back in the summer, you know, coming out of his official visit, everything was rather positive with Miami. And I felt like Miami was in a good spot, very similar to David Stone. Uh, but listen, huge, huge flip. Um, it only adds the momentum that's going into the last few weeks of the cycle. Uh, now Miami's in the top five. And I think that they're rolling into a few other big flips that could push them into the potential top three, maybe even top two uh, for this for this uh for this cycle in 2024 yeah that was the big thing for me frank uh the fact that they were able to just get another five star uh to add to the class with jojo trader and and zaquan patterson for me miami can get anybody if there's any kid that they want uh, i feel like that they they can basically potentially get and Coming off of a five and seven season last last year, they able to get a top ten class. This year, seven and five, maybe eight and five, or it could be seven and six. Really, kind of depends on how this bowl game plays out, obviously. But still, an average season, uh, definitely by Hurricanes standards. And they could possibly, like you said, get a top class. That means if if this team ends up like really back 
like people say, or like Justin Scott actually said, the U is back. I think that phrase is over, way overused. But if they actually do get back to winning a consistent 10 games a season, because to, to me that that is kind of being back to me. I mean, they won 10 games uh, a few years back under Mark Richt when you know they went on that run going undefeated and then lost their last three games to pit uh, Clemson and Wisconsin. But if you could put two seasons like that together, that's when I would say this program is officially back. And when that happens, right, they they could get a, a top class potentially every year, you know, because they're going to show that not only can we develop guys, not only uh, do we have – everything else when it comes to recruiting these days as far as you know nil is, is concerned and you know just top-notch medical uh facilities uh, at miami um and uh, among other things they're building a new a, a, a build a, a new facility that that will be built it, it this flip to me frank has told me that miami will be back i'm just not sure how soon but they will eventually be be back because to flip a guy like that from Ohio State, Ohio State is always in the championship conversation. And for Miami to flip a guy like Justin Scott, that means that they'll continue to do so as far as bring in top level guys, no matter what the record is. Yeah, this is just further proof that this is why you brought Mario Cristobal. The, the, his recruiting prowess is among the best in the country. His ability to go get kids, not just in South Florida, but on a national landscape, is proven everywhere he's been. And if you look at why teams that have won national championships have been successful, it's been because of the trenches. Miami has completely flipped the talent level in the trenches because – We've seen Miami in the past get like a Chad Thomas and had success with guys like Gerald Willis. But we haven't consistently had guys be first-round draft pick potential players, especially on the defensive line, on a year-to-year basis. And I think Miami is doing just that under Mario Cristobal. They grabbed Joshua Horton, who they feel is a guy who could be a first-round draft pick type player. Now they're grabbing a Justin Scott to replace a Leonard Taylor, who's, in my opinion, a very similar player um, as a three-technique guy that can jump out to a four-eye if needed. Really good movement skills. I mean, we've seen him run the football for touchdowns on the high school level. So he's a proven athlete as a jumbo player, dancing bear, if you will. And I think that Miami is going to continue to enforce the trenches. They have five commits on the offensive line in this class. They're still going after transfer portal guys. Uh, They offered that D2 offensive tackle. Uh, who's got over 20 offers since entering the portal. They have a visit coming up with Marley Cook, uh, who's a mid-middle Tennessee transfer, was a captain there, had an impact game against Miami uh, last season when they did upset Miami. So overall, Miami is doing everything possible to reinforce the trenches and build around that. If you go position by position, especially in this 2024 class, Everything has been improved. The only question I feel is quarterback, and I think that's going to be reinforced by the transfer portal. And I think that they're going to add two quarterbacks in this 2024 class. So if Miami can fix that quarterback position, everything is in place roster-wise for Miami to be successful. 
not just for next year, but the foreseeable future. Let's talk about that quarterback position because obviously Tyler Van Dyke has moved on from the Miami Hurricanes. Uh, I think it's not a huge surprise to, to many, especially since he was noncommittal about playing in the bowl game. And his season that he had this year was a rough one. I mean, the fans really gave it to him, um, you know, first, you know, some good reason. I mean, he, he had some terrible games turning, turning the football over. Um, however, Miami is in a situation now with, with the quarterback situation, uh, quarterback situation itself. I think they probably already were, but now it, it's just more evident. And there's plenty of quarterbacks out there. Um, you know, we've got Grayson McCall, Dante Moore has just now entered the portal. Uh, there's just, there's just a ton of guys and, uh, make sure you visit canescounty.com for our transfer portal tracker that Frank put together. We'll be updating that. Um, with you know the changes as they happen but first frank just your thoughts on tvd leaving and the current quarterback situation it, it was expected we we knew tyler van dyke was going to be gone it just didn't work out and it kind of came to a head about mid-season this year from what everything i've been told was that he lost the team after that virginia game it was pretty much solidified that he was going to be exiting the program uh it, Schematically, everything was in place for him. He had a receiving core that returned from last season. Uh, He had a a strong running game behind him, and he just couldn't make it work. Defense was plus. They were making things happen. He was the weak link of this Miami team, and I think that it was a mutual parting of ways, if you will. The quarterback position going forward is going to be fine. I, I, I... Love where Miami's at recruiting-wise. Judd Anderson took a major step forward at Warner Robins this season in Georgia. If you turn on the tape, he is a completely different player. Statistics are dramatically better this year than they were last. The accuracy got better uh, overall. And obviously, Cedric Bailey is a candidate. Uh, NC State commit, Shaman Amadonna quarterback that has won almost 40 games in his high school career. Going to be a three-time state champion and one of the all-time leading passers in the history of Broward County. So his, his ability as a 6'6 mobile passer, uh, who I think has Ja'Cory Harris-type potential coming out of South Florida. And I know that people are going to say, well, Ja'Cory wasn't that good. Well, Ja'Cory also had three offensive coordinators, maybe even four, I think it might have been. And I think that there's going to be more consistency at Miami with Mario Cristobal rather than what it was when Ja'Cory was here. Uh, so, you know, I, I think that with those two guys coming in, you got Emory. You got uh, Emory already in the program. We saw some flashes from him this year. Plus, what they're going to be doing in the transfer portal, and then Luke Nickel following in behind that as a four-star quarterback commit. I love where the quarterback position is going at Miami. I think next year we're going to see a complete flip of what we saw this season and uh, a potential rise into a double-digit type season. Yeah, I, I think um, Miami's got a, a lot of options out there. There's a lot of quarterbacks out there that, you know, did, you know, enter their name into the transfer portal. So it's it's going to be an interesting, interesting ride uh, none, uh, to see how it all plays out as far as the quarterback position is concerned. Sorry but about that. <laughs> I wanted to ask you, Frank, uh, as far as quarterbacks are concerned, who do you think they end up getting? And 
who do who would you like to like to see them get as far as the 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 quarterbacks that are out now? I like I like the idea of Grace McCall and Dante Moore, two guys that you mentioned. I do think that there's guys that have not entered the portal yet that Miami is going to be exploring. Connor Weigman is another uh, guy I would be watching for at Texas A&M. Uh, Texas A&M is starting to look at other quarterback options, and I think with him with multiple years of eligibility, his dual threat talents, and, and, and just being a former top prospect uh, makes him an intriguing option to me. The Washington State quarterback is being talked to by Texas A&M as well as Miami. I think that Aiden Childs out of Oregon State is another person to watch. Uh, freshman sensation type player could come to Miami and be a three-year guy uh, and build with a young 2023 and 2024 group with the potential to, to play really good football as soon as this year. He did get a lot of reps behind DJ. Uh, I can't even pronounce his name. Ula Gagalegele. Uh, and overall, I, I think that Miami is probably going to go with more veteran option, but I would not be surprised to see them go at a Dante Moore or something like that, just to build stability at the position going forward. Uh, like I said, I, I would not be surprised if the guy that they go after is not currently in the portal. Michael Pratt is the name that's going to be constantly thrown around. South Florida native, native out of Boca and Deerfield Beach. Uh, he, he's toying with the idea of going into the NFL draft or staying in college football and entering the transfer portal uh, with Riley Leonard likely going to Notre Dame. I think that thing, that's going to open options up for him and potentially Miami merging together. So I don't think that I don't think that anything is set in stone just yet. KJ Jefferson, another option to watch, uh, mobile passer. I think that Miami is going to go for a guy that's not so much a statue like they had with Tyler Van Dyke. There was an interview that came out where Shannon Dawson talked to Tyler Van Dyke before the Boston College game and asked him, you know, what he wanted in and out of the playbook uh, in regards to what he did well. And one of the things that he talked about not liking was having the option to run on every play. That means that this offense could look so much different with a guy that can actually utilize his legs. Because there were times where even the slow Tyler Van Dyke, when he would get out of the pocket and even rush for three to five yards, it opened things up for what Miami was able to do. So I feel like if they get a guy in that can move a little bit, not even just be a dual threat, but just be a mobile type guy when you know there's yards available in front of him, he, he takes advantage of it, is a better option than you know some of the guys that are being talked about, like Tyler Shue, who's a former Mario Crystal Ball can't, you know, recruit. And, and and just like I'm not a big fan of the kid out of Mississippi State. I don't think that. He's what Miami needs. I think he was a product of the Mike Leach system rather than being an extremely productive player. Uh, we saw a huge drop off this season, just 12 touchdowns. He is he does limit turnovers, just had four interceptions this year, but he's not so much of a winner. We didn't see him put up huge numbers against the likes of Georgia, Alabama. It was not really LSU. Uh, it was more so their non-conference schedule and the lowly teams in the SEC that he was putting up these huge numbers against. So, yes, does he have a 4,700-yard game, 4,700-yard season to his credit? Yes, he does. But I don't think that's a re reflective of who he really is as a player. So I think Miami is going to be searching for the portal from what I've been told. They are looking at major options that people are going to be surprised about rather than guys that we're going to be just settling on. So – Good, good news coming out of the portal for Miami, likely coming soon. Yeah, I actually like DJ Ua Ungalale. <laughs> you know, I've, I've been practicing that. 
Um, so I, I think he is a good option for Miami. Um, Dante Moore, I would love as well, but for some reason, I mean, the fact that he's the same year as Emory Williams may, it, it would, it would cause, of course, Emory Williams to transfer out, but definitely like, uh, Dante Moore as an option. Those are probably my two favorite names right now. And then Grayson McCall would probably be my third favorite, um, as far as uh, transfer portal guys, but we just started. Transfer portal hasn't even officially opened. It's already crazy um, as as far as the transfer portal is concerned. Even players going out of the program. You got several players that have transferred out. You got Don Chaney uh, and Chance Williams, Jafari Harvey, Frank Ladson, uh, Mamorelli, tight end. Um, I'm missing anybody that uh, transferred. I think those are pretty much uh, the names that have transferred out. Other names are being rumored as well. Uh, check out the message board on canescounty.com for more on that. But as far as the positions of need, Frank, uh, because to me, you're going to lose, I think, James Williams and Cameron Kinchins to the draft. You're going to lose likely a Leonard Taylor to the draft. And then you lose, you know, all those guys that I mentioned. The positions groups that I think that are kind of safe or I think you don't have to go out and get a player to me is is uh, running back, offensive line and D line. And maybe even linebacker, because you got a bunch of young guys there, along with, you know, some some veterans. Um, I think you're probably safe there too. Uh, what say you as far as positions of need Miami should go after in the transfer portal? Yeah, running back, I don't think that they grab a running back because I think they're going to sign two, and that's going to be a crowded running back room going forward. I'd be surprised to see them add a receiver because they're bringing in three in this cycle, two of them at least outside guys. And if you bring in Jeremiah Smith, you're definitely not getting a guy out of the portal. Offensive line, I do think that they add at least one, just because I think that there are some high-quality options in the portal, a lot of experience. We don't know what Matt Lee is going to do just yet. There are some solid center options. Uh, Notre Dame's starting center for the last two seasons entered the portal. There are a few other guys that have entered that could play that position as well. Like I said, Miami offered a Division II offensive tackle, uh, so they're obviously kicking the tires there. Um, and then defensive line-wise, I don't necessarily know that they add an edge rusher just because of how much talent you're bringing in in this 2024 class, but they will add a defensive tackle. There is going to be at least one addition there just because you're going to lose Branson Dean. You're likely going to lose Leonard Taylor. Uh, Jacob Lichtenstein is going to be gone. There, there's some depth issues that are going to you know, arise there. Um, you know, Burroughs is probably gone from this portal. That's something that we put in the message boards. Just watch for that. Um, linebacker wise, I don't think that there's a ton of great options in the portal at linebacker. Uh, you know, there's a few guys, but Miami doesn't really have a need there. Uh, you know, they're going to bring in Cam Pruitt, who they like as a project right now. They currently have Vincent Shavers committed. We'll see what happens with that. Um, and, and then I, I think that Nick Rodriguez is a player to watch in regard to, uh, an addition to this 2024 class. But you brought in a number of linebackers last year. You bring back West of the Saints. I think that Kiko Mauanoa comes back for yet another season. So 
Miami's going to be strong if the linebacker position. Don't see them adding anything out of the transfer portal unless like it was like a Rocky Shelton type addition, a guy who was a grad transfer, wanted to come home and be a depth guy, special teams type player. They're going to add at least one safety. You're going to add at least one safety. I think Philip Dunham is a guy to watch. Uh, North Miami Beach product, South Florida native, had a really good sophomore season at Indiana last year. 6'1", 180, 190 pounds, really good athlete, played both ways on the high school level, had three interceptions last year, two of them coming against Louisville and Ohio State. So he's a player to watch. Indiana also has another uh, safety that entered the portal, more a strong safety type player. Um, but he's somebody to watch as well. Um, but Miami is bringing in Zaquan Patterson, as we know. He's going to be playing more of a strong safety type role. And I think that there is potential for Zayv Mincy to end up in this class with all the dysfunction that is happening at the University of Florida right now. Uh, so, listen, I, I, I think that, you know, there's going to be some, some additions made. We got to watch what happens at cornerback in the transfer portal because if Miami loses to Devontae Brown, um, and, and, you know, there are some intriguing options that are entering. Um, like there was a kid from Kansas State who's 6'3", former Juco kid that had a really good season this year, over 40 tackles, a couple interceptions, and a forced fumble. Um, you, obviously, you can check out all these names on the transfer portal tracker uh, on our website. It's on the it's going to be on the homepage going forward through this process. Um, but, yeah, there, there's going to be a lot of additions. Miami's going to sign at least 30, and I think that they're going to probably bring in around 10 guys out of the transfer portal. We're going to see, uh, you know, a complete overhaul of this roster once again. At least 20 guys exit the team this offseason, um, and, I, and I think that there are going to be some more drops outside of that as well. Um, you know, just attrition is a natural thing uh, when it comes to college football in this day and age, and we're going to see Miami continuously push guys out. Um, until we get Mario Cristobal with his full 85, that is his guys. Yeah, Miami did well with transfers last season with, you know, Matt Lee and uh, Kiko Maunoa, among others, uh, Javion Cohen, of course. Um, so I, I, I would imagine Miami does well again in the transfer portal as it's been a goldmine for, for some in college football. Uh, but with the addition of Justin Scott, Miami moved up to the fifth ranked class in the country and they're not done. You know, uh, this is going to be an interesting couple of weeks and I do anticipate more flips coming uh, in favor of the Miami Hurricanes. When it comes to recruiting, Frank, uh, which which player? Well, actually, let me name a couple of players and let me ask you kind of, you know, what you think about their possibility of committing to Miami. First been, first being Eddie Pierre-Lewis. Uh, he, you know, kind of announced that, you know, the top four of, of Miami being in there, um, UCF sounds like they're, you know, kind of somewhat the favorite Oklahoma's in it as well. Uh, what are the what are the chances you think uh, Miami can can land that that talented offensive lineman out of Tampa? Yeah, I think Miami, you know, has stayed in it through all the way until the end because Mario Cristobal was his first offer when he was at Oregon, and I do think that there's a good relationship there with Alex Maribel and Mario Cristobal. But you've already got five guys committed in this class. I don't think that he ends up 
coming to Miami. We haven't seen a lot of traction from him this season with Miami. I think it's Oklahoma or UCF. That, that's where I think it boils down to. And and, and I, I think – would I be surprised if he ended up at Miami? Absolutely. It, he doesn't really fit what Miami does physically going forward. We're seeing a lot of length on the offensive line, like 6'4", taller. Uh, you know, he – from a – Girth-wise, he fits it, I think, over 300 pounds, like 305 right now. But he's closer to 6'1", 6'2". So it would be a drastic change from what Mario Cristobal has been trying to do from a frame standpoint. Uh, he's talked about having an NFL-style trenches group going forward, and, and I don't think that Eddie Pierre fits that. And I think he's going to come with an NIL you know, dollar amount that Miami probably isn't going to want to pay for a sixth offensive lineman. And I haven't heard anything about anybody being dropped in this class. Uh, so would be surprised if he ended up at Miami. All right. So it's been rumored for weeks now that Jordan Lyle was going to flip to Miami. Um, you know, another Ohio State uh, commit that Miami is, is, is poking at, I guess you could say. Uh, all, along with, you know, obviously Justin Scott flipping and, you know, JJ. So what's the latest with Lyle? Well, listen, you lose three straight games, and that'll deter kids from wanting to flip from one of the best teams in the country. Now, Miami did finish off the regular season with a win, and then they just flipped Scott, which is a you know obviously a major boost to what this class is going to look like. I still think that he ends up at the University of Miami. Uh, there's a strong connection there with St. Thomas, a contingent of Ryan Mack, Chance Robinson, O.J. Frederick, uh, the relationship with head coach Roger Harriet and Mario Cristobal is really good. Uh, I, I I think that he sees the potential to come here to Miami, especially with guys like Don Chaney and potentially Henry Parrish exiting the program this offseason and coming in and playing right away at home with a better NIL situation and the chance to, for his family to see him play on a week-to-week basis. So, I would be surprised if he doesn't end up at the University of Miami. I think he's a guy that Miami has gung ho on right now. He's probably the best running back in South Florida. And Miami has done a really good job of landing the best guys at their respective positions since Mario Cristobal has got here. It's been a little bit of progression. You lose, you know, a couple guys like Brandon Ennis. And, but this class, I feel like that they've done an excellent job of solidifying the top guys at each spot. Cedric Bailey is, you know, looking like he could end up at Miami. If you get Jordan Lyle, you got the top running back. You got Chance Robinson and JoJo committed with, obviously, Jeremiah Smith, who we're going to talk about probably next. And, and, you know, then you add, you know, the best defensive lineman, Ruben Bain, in the last class. We're hearing a little bit on Armando Blunt. Uh, You know, Nick Rodriguez is a guy that, you know, there's a little bit of traction there. Zaquan Patterson, the top safety. Miami is doing a really good job of grabbing the best guy out of South Florida and not settling for just the second and third tier options. And he's one of them. And I do think he ends up at Miami. Yeah, I, I do want to get your opinion on JJ, but this is going to be a surprise name because this was kind of, you know, last summer, like Miami was kind of in it with a lot of different players. And then they ended up committing to other schools. We already talked about Justin Scott being one of them. Um, Miami was in it with David Stone for, for a while and Dylan Stewart, which I'm hearing there's some smoke uh, on Dylan Stewart, maybe flipping. 
uh, to Miami. Um, what do you? What are the chances of, that you think that they can flip a Stewart or a Stone just like they did Scott? Well, I don't think Stone's coming. I think he's locked in with Oklahoma. I think that's where he wanted to go. It, it was a kind of like an inverse of Justin Scott. I felt like he liked Miami, but he loved Oklahoma. The family loved Miami, didn't love Oklahoma. Justin Scott obviously wanted to be a Miami Hurricane. That's how it ended up happening. I think David Stone is going to stick with his commitment to Oklahoma. Now, Stewart, Stewart is an intriguing situation because that staff at South Carolina could be let go. Uh, there's not a bright future there. They just lost Spencer Rattler to the NFL draft. What's the quarterback situation going to look like next year? I think the only issue here is that South Carolina is going to pay whatever they need to an NIL, I think, to keep Dylan Stewart. And he's the top recruit in their class right now. You know, they did do a good job of, of grabbing a major recruit last year uh, that Miami missed out on, uh, you know, and listen, Nicholas Harbor was a kind of an example of it, right? Like, Maybe it's a better situation in Miami, but there's, you know, a little bit of pull from South Carolina being the face, central face of that program. They have done well on the defensive line. It's a little bit closer to home than it is South Florida. I don't think he ends up at the University of Miami. I think there's some smoke there, but Miami is absolutely loaded on the defensive line in this cycle. You just added Cole McConathy uh, from Louisville, who I think gets a blue chip bump. Uh, you got Elias Rudolph. You got Marquise Lightfoot, who is locked into this class and is one of the top pass rushers in the country. Now you have Artavius Jones. You got Dylan Russell from Columbus. And then you added Justin Scott. There, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of room at defensive end for a Dylan Stewart to come in because actually Kelly's still got eligibility left. You got Ruben Bain, who's coming off a fr- you know an exceptional freshman season. Uh, you know, Collins Ashenpong is a guy we haven't spoke about in a while that has versatility to play inside or out. There's a bunch of defensive ends on this team. Booker Pickett's even a guy that we don't know what position he's going to play at Miami. It could be linebacker, could be defensive end, but he was a 70 sack guy, very similar to Ruben Bain in the prep level. So overall, I, I, I think that he's a great player and I would love to have him, but where does he fit? And that's the only reason I say I think that he sticks with South Carolina. Should be an interesting one to watch. Uh, and uh, an interesting story that we continue to watch is is Jeremiah Smith. Uh, last week or so, you put out an article and you predicting, you know, Jeremiah Smith to flip from Ohio State to Miami. You still feeling that way? Yeah, and I said right now, uh, you know, dot, 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 <laughs> right now, because yeah. I, I think that James. You still feeling yeah. that way? Yeah, that JJ, that JJ sweepstakes, it could change on a daily basis. We saw him, you know, put his Twitter on private yesterday or his ex on private yesterday uh, after the Justin Scott flip. Uh, you know, he tweeted out, whoa, which was a little bit of a reaction to that flip. And listen, I think that there is definitely a pull uh, to stay home with that Purple Machine group. Uh, you know, Chance Robinson solidified his recruitment with Miami. He's not going to be looking at any other options. Obviously, him and JoJo Trader are best friends and have played with each other basically their entire lives. And I would not be surprised to see if uh, Cedric Bailey ends up in this class. Combine the fact that you have Zaquan Patterson committed, who's a High school teammate of theirs, Ryan Mack, a close friend. OJ Frederick was a you know a childhood teammate. Everything fits for it to be Miami. Uh, NIL wise, Ohio State is not going to come close to what Miami is going to be offering. And if you really do look at the developmental track record of Brian Hartline, yeah, he did really good with Marvin Marvin Harrison. But how did he do with Julian Fleming? 
right, who was also a number one receiver type player coming out of high school. Uh, Emeka Abuka, been a good player. Has he developed into what he was supposed to be? I see him dropping on some draft boards. So, listen, there, there's some quarterback questions at Ohio State going into next year. Is Kyle McCord really the guy? Um, is Florida State really going to develop him into what he needs to be? We've seen what Ryan Dugans has done at the University of Miami. And I know that, you know, that wide receivers group of, of Keon Coleman and Johnny Wilson has gathered a lot of hype and draft hype. But look at the production. Johnny Wilson was a two-touchdown player this year. And Keon Coleman was like 500 yards, you know, close to 600 yards on the season. Outside of that LSU game, he averaged about 50 yards per game. So it's not a high-octane passing attack. Their quarterback situation going into next year is going to be cloudy because Jordan Travis is now gone. What are they going to do with a portal? If Miami hits in the portal, right, and, and grabs C.J. Bailey, I love where Miami is sitting with Jeremiah Smith. There is probably going to be another visit before the before the end of this cycle. Uh, I would not be surprised to see him push this uh, outside of early signing day, maybe to the end of that early signing day window um, after all the smoke is cleared on what could happen with that Ohio State staff. Uh, do they end up keeping their jobs? Ryan Day, is he solidified? Is Brian Hartline you know, going to stay there? Does he take another job? Uh, there's a lot of questions that remain um, uh, in that situation in totality, but I do feel comfortable saying that I feel like Jeremiah Smith is going to be a Miami Hurricane when it is all said and done. You're on mute, my brother. My bad. Um well, well, we'll see if that does come to for, for, come to fruition. I mean, uh, man, uh, Hurricanes fans love to hear that, and we'll see how it all goes down when it when it's all said and done in the end. When it comes to the five star receiver out of Shamanad, Madonna. So, we've got Championship Saturday coming up this Saturday, right? And one of my favorite days of the year because you kind of see which teams are going to go to the college football playoff or whatnot before i um before i you know ask you the miami hurricanes related question i want to ask you who do you think is going to make the top four i think it's going to be georgia okay. i think it's going to be texas i think it's going to be florida state and i think it's going to be washington because i think washington is going to once again beat oregon if bama beats georgia though i think that we see two sec teams in it once again Right, and, and I think that Florida State probably gets themselves left out because how do you put Florida State in there? I know they have an undefeated record, and and there's all the hoopla with what Kirk Kirk Street was saying, and and his you know his uh, choice of vocabulary uh, when yeah. describing the situation, right? But I I don't think you could put Florida State over a one loss Alabama team, and I think Texas is going to get in, bearing what happens, you know, in the in the well, Michigan is – what am I thinking? Michigan's going to make it. Michigan's got to make it if they win in the Big Ten. But, listen, Iowa State – I mean, Iowa has knocked off teams in the Big Ten championship before. So that is something to watch for. Really good defense, bad offense. But Michigan has shown at times against teams like Maryland that they can be knocked off. So going back to it, I think it's going to be Georgia. I think it's going to be Michigan. I think it's going to be – I think it's going to be Texas, and I think it's going to be Florida State. Now, if Alabama wins, we'll see what happens there. So Georgia, Michigan, Texas, and Florida State. Yep. I, I think Florida State's going to lose on 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 Saturday to Louisville. Um, I think 
the fact that Louisville lost to Kentucky probably is is not a good thing for Florida State. And Florida State barely got by a bad Florida team last week. So I think Florida State is is not going to get in because Louisville is going to beat them. And then you have Texas. I think Texas is going to going to beat Oklahoma State. So uh, I think they get in. And Georgia is going to beat Bama. There's a lot of talk about Bama beating Georgia, and I think people just like to to say that because they think this is the old Bama. This is not the old. Hey, Bama. listen, Bama is, is playing really good football Bama. right now. This team, team had, this team had a miracle play to beat Auburn, a really bad Auburn team this year, and they needed a miracle fourth and thirty-one to 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 get that win. And you it's think that team is going to beat Georgia? It's college. It's, I'm not saying not- that they're going to beat them. I'm not saying that they're going to beat them, but it's a six and a half point spread right now, and I would not bet Georgia on a six and a half point spread in that game right now. That's me. Yeah, maybe maybe not the spread, but definitely take a money line. I think. What, so if you would be surprised, so would you be surprised? Would you be like, be oh shocked. my gosh, you'd be shocked. I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked. I'd be shocked. shocked. One. I'd wow. be shocked if Bama won because Milro to me, I think is one dimensional. Uh, I don't think he's a really good thrower of the football, and Georgia's got a really good defense, and they are going to force him to throw. Uh, he had that one miracle throw to, to to beat Auburn, but I think Georgia wins. So Georgia, the winner of the Pac-12 tri- championship game, I think gets in, and I think that's actually going to be Oregon. I think Oregon is going to beat Washington because Oregon should have beat them the first game. They got a little too greedy on a bunch of fourth downs when they should have just kicked the damn field goal. Um, so I think Oregon gets in, Texas gets in, Michigan, and Georgia. The Pac-12 is so horrible, though, man. And I feel like – Are they really? Can't, can't Washington – can't – listen, we've heard the explanations of the, of this college football playoff committee on why they make their decisions. They have no clue what they're doing. They are absolutely – like talking about completion percentage when talking about teams, right? Like just oblivious to really what's going on in college football. How are you going to choose Washington over Florida State just viewership-wise? I don't think that they do. I think that they're going to look at it from the lens of we need the viewers, and if you can get blue bloods in there, you're going to get blue bloods in there, and that's Florida State, that's a Michigan, that's a Texas, and that's a Georgia or, you know, obviously Bama, if they beat Georgia, they are in end and And I think, I think a one-loss Alabama goes in over – Washington and Florida State. That's just my opinion. You think those teams are better, or you think uh, they would pick a one-loss Alabama? I think they pick. I think that they pick a one-loss Alabama for viewership purposes over picking the best team, quote unquote. Yeah, I, I don't think they do that. I mean, if they do, that would be ridiculous. Um, as I don't far, think that they are as, you know picking the best four teams. You know? I don't think that they want to put in another TCU. I don't think that they want another situation of what happened last year with TCU. Yes, TCU did win a college football playoff game, right? But their viewership numbers are bad, right? Like, they're not a team that puts butts in seats. They got blown out by, like, almost 70 points. Do you put Do you put a Florida State without a quarterback and a Washington team that plays – Usually not prime time over a one-loss Alabama team that just won the SEC championship game. Because you know Georgia's still going to get in even with the loss to Bama. They're the number one team. I don't think that they dropped to five 
with a close loss to Bama. So for me, it's just a matter of choosing between SEC or two teams that have question marks. And I think that they end up choosing the SEC team. Yeah, I don't think so. Uh, I, I think if Bama wins, they're going to get in. Um, I think the the only way Georgia doesn't get in is if they get dog walked by Bama. And I don't think that's going to happen. Uh, but, yeah, I think the Pac-12 is going to get in. I mean, uh, I mean, it wouldn't be the first time. It wouldn't be the first time that we saw the Pac-12 get shafted. So, yeah, true, true, true. But the real question is, when my when is Miami going to be in this championship game? You know, we, we talked about recruiting and how well things are going and how well Miami does in the transfer portal as well. Realistically, when do you think Miami plays on championship Saturday? Realistically, I think that it's two years away. Because uh, I think you have to get over the hump of like a 10-11 win season before you get to that level. I think that potentially could happen as soon as next season. And I know that sounds real homerish. I know that sounds real biased. But if you hit, if you hit at quarterback in this transfer portal in a big way, we've seen what the quarterback position can do for you in college football. If you if you do this right, I think that they have the right coaching staff in place. I think that the defense is strong enough and enough guys return. I think that they're going to hit on certain spots in the transfer portal to to replace guys like Cam Kitchens and potentially James Williams and Leonard Taylor. You're bringing in a really good recruiting class. You had a really good recruiting class in 2023. You had some really good building block pieces in 2022. I love where Miami is at roster-wise outside of the quarterback position. You're going to have one of the best receive one of the best receiving groups coming back from a production standpoint. Offensive line-wise, you might only lose JV on Cohen. Miami could really really make things interesting next season in college football because Florida State has question marks all over their team. They're going to graduate and lose a lot to the NFL draft. They got to replace their quarterback same way Miami does. Clemson is on the downturn. I don't think NC State is a good enough team to to get over that hump. They just lost their quarterback, MJ Morris, to the transfer portal as well. Pittsburgh, not like that. Uh, Louisville, I think that they're a really good team. Are they going to have enough talent, though, to get over the hump because they did just lose to Kentucky, a bad Kentucky team in the SEC. So for me, I think that Miami is in a really good position to to get this thing from seven and five to like 11 wins next year in the regular season because they almost did beat Florida State. They almost did beat Louisville. They all like North Carolina is not going to be the same North Carolina next year. I don't care that they got Max Johnson. He's been in the college football since since Mark Richt has been, you know, was a coach at Miami and, and he's never proven it at two other spots that he can be a quarterback that is an elite level player. So I love where Miami's sitting among the ACC powers right now. Uh, and especially going into next year with so many question marks with the other teams that were top in the ACC this year. And, and I think that if they do what they need to in that transfer portal at the quarterback position and at safety, some big things can happen in Coral Gables as soon as next year. Yeah, I agree with you. I think the ACC is going to be completely wide open next next season. Um, Clemson still kind of rebuilding at the quarterback position. Obviously, Florida State is going to be having a new quarterback as well. You talk about North Carolina kind of rebuilding as well. There's, there's no team to me that is going to be head and shoulders above everyone else. And Miami has a chance to really kind of take the reins here. 
and you hit it on the head if they get the quarterback, if they get the right quarterback. If they don't, if they get another TVD, then it's going to be another probably TVD type of performance and season where Miami gets maybe eight or nine wins. I mean, um, you know, they could get eight. They should have had nine with the Georgia Tech game, and they had a possibility, a good possibility get to get two more. So with that, that's 11 wins. Um, and do I think this team is going to get better next season? I think there's a potential to be, but losing those two safeties is, is going to be a big drop off. You know, it, it, it's going, it's it, to lose a Cameron Kitchens and a James Williams, Cam, Cam Kitchens is your all American safety and James Williams is your top tackler on the team. So that's going to be a big drop off. So defensive back overall, I think, is going to be uh, a concern uh, because you're going to lose Jaden Davis, uh, maybe lose uh, to Corey Couch, maybe. Um, DP very likely to come back along with Damari Brown. But if those two guys get hurt, I mean, DP got hurt. This, this Shadias Richard, Shadias Richard looked good though, too. Shadias Richard yeah, looked he good. Did. He did. Um, so, so you got, you know, a, a few guys, but if they if, if they get the, if the injury bug bites them at deep in the back, then I'm concerned about that position and that position only to be honest on the defensive side of the ball on the offensive side. I think, you know, you have enough playmakers to me to make it happen, you know, especially at running back, especially on the whole line, um, tight end. I mean, Elijah Lofton, I think it can get in there and probably start right away. Uh, Jaleel Skinner, I would imagine, is going to go into the transfer portal. Uh, I don't see why he would stay. Bradley uh, Williams will take a step up. Yeah, he'll take a step up. Uh, Cam McCormick is still vying for another year of eligibility. <laughs> so he may be here next year. Uh, Elijah to- Arroyo. <laughs> Elijah Arroyo could get healthy. Yeah, Elijah Arroyo could finally get healthy. We could see some right. some of him, you know, in more of like a complimentary type role because obviously – He's, he has a hard time staying healthy and, and taking on the, you know, the brunt of those, you know, snaps. But I think yeah. you'll be fine at tight end. You'll be fine on the offensive line. Cornerback, like you said, a little bit of a question mark. Safety, a little bit of a question mark, depending on what happens in the transfer portal and how Jaquan Patterson develops as an early enrollee at okay. the University of Miami. But overall, man, elite roster, elite roster. Yeah, an elite roster where you're only going to add more pieces. This class coming in is going to be great. The class from last year is just only going to get better. So I, I agree with you. I think this team can make the, the championship game, uh, ACC championship game, next season. And it all depends on the right quarterback. So well, we'll, we'll see who they end up adding to this uh, squad. Uh, Jakari Brown. I don't know if he's going to stay or not, but he is playing in the bowl game. Uh, just quick thoughts, Rub, before we wrap this up on Jakari Brown in, the, in this bowl game. Yeah, there's going to be there's going to be questions in regards to you know who they play. If we play in Oregon State, it's going to be a little bit tougher, obviously, because they're a team that was contending for a top ten ranking for most of the season. And then obviously USC would be something that would be really interesting. You know, backup quarterback extravaganza. Uh, you know, bad defense for USC, though. So I, I love that potential game. I, I'd rather see USC rather than anybody because I feel like you win that game, only going to help in recruiting. And I think that there's a lot of weaknesses on that team because I don't think that they're as good as they're perceived to be, even though they really did have a bad year. They might even be worse than their record entails because no Caleb Williams now. So 
would love to see USC. Don't want to see Oregon State. Uh, and I don't want to see any team that was fighting for top 10. Even if uh, DJ Lilly doesn't play in the game, Aiden Childs is a monster, uh, you know, freshman quarterback. Don't, don't, don't want any part of that. Uh, could also see Utah. Could also see Memphis. Could also see. Don't want Utah either. <laughs> don't want to see Utah either. <laughs> I could also see SMU as well. That would be very, very intriguing with all the former teams on that team. That is not intriguing to me. I do not want to see Rhett Lashley, you know, get his get back uh, for not being the offense coordinator at Miami. And, and, you know, all those guys like Romello Brinson, Brewster, like don't want revenge game. Don't need revenge game action. So, yeah. All right. That's going to wrap it up for the Storm Tracker podcast. Make sure you subscribe to CanesCounty.com for free. Use the promo code Miami30. Also subscribe to this podcast on all platforms. Also subscribe to this YouTube channel live from Canes County. Until next episode.